and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me I've got Liam. Hello. And nobody else. Uh, That's Mitch, it. Mitch is typically here. He uh, he pulled the emergency vacation clause <laughs> and he, he could not be with us today. So uh, we're going to be uh, partying on without him to talk about Wayne's World. Two, which I think they should have probably changed the whole the whole like catchphrase for that. It should have been like all the marketing materials. You know, they could have been like Wayne's World Two, Wayne's World. You know, do you think that would have worked? Do you <laughs> yeah, think that would have really got butts and seats? Maybe I wasn't around at the time. I guess maybe I assumed they did do that. You're, you're telling me they didn't, huh? I mean, they might have. You're right. I didn't like. I didn't dig up the archives. Go and to... if and if they did, then I bet that was the reason for their failure. <laughs> it's one of those things. It either is a guaranteed success or a guaranteed flop when yeah. you do something like that. You're really, you know, you're already taking enough of a gamble when you're making a movie out of uh, SNL skit, and then to have that work the first time, and then be like, "What if we did a weird slogan in all of our ads?" Yeah, you're playing with fire, man. Sort of the clue multiple endings thing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, like it might be too bold. Though the world might not be ready for that yet. And but, but weirdly, your kids would love it. Weirdly metatextual because it's the advertising campaign for the movie. Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, choose our, your own commercial. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds kind of sick. You would love that, wouldn't you? There is yeah. a a direct reference to a commercial in this movie that has been burned into my brain forever. The commercial has been burned, or the reference. The commercial and the movie. This movie references it directly, and I lost my mind. So huh. maybe they do. Maybe they were thinking creatively with their ads if they were going back. Because I believe the commercial in question, which I don't want to spoil off the top. If you know, you know. Uh, I believe it's from the seventies. <laughs> so it's okay. been around a minute, and they they brought it up in nineteen ninety three. So maybe they know something I don't about how to make a good ad campaign. I, I feel like the numbers show that they don't. Unfortunately, I think I think you're good there. Now, Liam. Yeah. Speaking of digging through the archives, hmm. let's dig through the archives of your life for a moment. What are the archives we just dug through again? The commercial thing? I think so. I think that's what the joke was. Back, but fine, yeah, fair enough. Okay, okay. Liam, what's your history with Wayne's World? <laughs> uh, like mid high school. You know, here in Canada, we've got four years of high school. This so this would be like you know end of second year of high school or so do um, other places have fewer years of high school they've got to. i mean there are just there's so many places out there there's, <laughs> the four-year model can't be the way it goes but as is i've only had wayne's world in my life for oh, i gotta do some math divide it by the amount of years i've lived multiply by the amount of wayne's world movies I, i've had wayne's world in my life for about seven years or so you know i bet i watched it when i was 16 15 or so um and I watched it because it was just one of those movies that, like, I had, I had heard about a lot. Uh, I, I was, I've always been really into the '90s, like culture, um, music. Not so much comedy movies, you know. Like we learned that just a couple weeks ago with Ace Ventura. I never went that far, but I know that Wayne's World is sort of even deeper. It's, it's a deeper '90s movies than anything like Ace Ventura because it, it does rely on the culture of the time also the culture that came before it um and a lot of those jokes are just like 90s relics at this point and i knew that going in because I've, I've heard so many so much of these jokes referenced before so i just thought 
some night I was thinking, man, I, I really got to catch up on this Wayne's World thing. Um, and so I gave the first movie a shot and I was really, really surprised at how much I, I loved Wayne's World. Um, I thought it was somebody ring the alarm. We've we're watching a movie Liam really likes again. Wait, hey, 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 hey. Wait, wait, hold on. I misspoke. <laughs> Did you watch the wrong movie again? <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, watching a movie related That's to right. a movie that Liam really likes again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just really, I was really surprised because I thought that it would be dated. Um, I, I, I guess I just thought it wouldn't be that funny because I've heard a lot of the jokes so much. Um, and you know, I just, I thought that I would probably have missed the boat, but I, I was just watching it in order to check it off my list, you know? Um, but no, I, I, I was really impressed. I thought the references were astute and clever. I really liked the occasional breaking the fourth wall. But even more than that, I just loved the setup of these two guys who have kind of have some sort of arrested development. They're still living at their parents' house and they have a, a public access cable show. That's I think that's just sort of funny. And then they're just they bop around their town um, kind of thinking they're all that. Uh, because they have this access cable show um, and they, they talk to girls occasionally, but they're kind of just more concerned with each other and more concerned with rock music. And um, I like that setup. I, th I thought Mike Myers was really funny in it. It was basically the only Mike Myers thing I had seen besides um, Austin Powers, because, you know, in Shrek, I had only heard him. Um, but the Austin Powers <laughs> that, that movies... That didn't count as seeing him because I couldn't see into uh, his eyes, which are the windows to the soul. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was cool to see Mike Myers in a different role because I was so familiar with the Austin Powers movies. You know, I wore those tapes out as a kid. But here he's doing a bit of different comedy. Um, uh, it's It's a lot more relatable and um you know i when i watched these guys i, I was like i i kind of know people like this in my life um and it's funny to see and uh i just thought it was a really fun ride unfortunately i have yet to revisit it you know um so maybe i didn't love it that much but you know there's just so many movies out there to watch and uh it's only been seven or so years in fact um i was really close to prefacing wayne's world 2 with the original wayne's world doing a little double feature um but you know right now me and brianna we're watching dark side of the ring that wrestling documentary and we're working our way through the harry potter movies and it was just i like wayne's world but this wasn't a time for a double feature i even saw a, a blu-ray combo pack in shoppers drug mart the day before i watched this movie it was both movies for 6.99 and each of them even had a commentary a track. Price. Yeah, so it wouldn't have been a bad buy at all, but maybe I'm not that far along with my collecting Maybe yet. that was their advertising campaign. It was long-term. <laughs> it's a little long con, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't buy that Blu-ray. I only started collecting Blu-rays uh, early this year, so I guess I'm still kind of precious about what I'm buying. But maybe one day I will, I will get that Blu-ray because I would like to see the original Wayne's World again, especially after seeing number two and just remind myself about what it is that's in that movie because enough time has passed that i can't tell you exactly what it is that i really liked about it but uh i, I remember that weekend after i saw it i was hanging out with my friends and i was like yo have you guys seen wayne's world 
and none of them had seen it, but they all kind of knew what it was. Um, they could say some jokes <laughs> from it and stuff, or is that the you, one? You guys where... are just shrieking like party time, excellent, and screaming <laughs> at each other over and over again. Yeah, and I'm and I'm like, but no, guys, really, it is party time and excellent. You got to see it. There's context. Um, but yeah, I told them. You guys I was, need the lore. I was I was just like, yeah, like uh, I know you know you've kind of heard of Wayne's World, but you guys have got to check it out. Like, it's actually a really good movie. Um, and I liked it so much that I strongly considered watching Wayne's World too at the time. I figured it's just one more movie. What could it hurt? I guess that's kind of what they were thinking when they put the movie out people will go see it because hey it's just one more movie but sometimes one more movie is is uh it is it isn't as appealing as you think it would sound just based on liking the original so much like uh the population in december of 1993 i did not take the plunge and see Wayne's world too um but i liked that first one and so here i am checking out the second one with you yeah, I mean, I'm in a similar boat. At some point in my life, I saw the movie Wayne's World. Could I tell you when that was? Maybe not. Um, could I tell you like what I was doing or like where I was at in my life? No, I don't think so. What I was wearing? Nope. No what idea. I had for lunch that day? Couldn't. I don't even know what I had for lunch yesterday. I've lost the plot. Maybe you watched the original Wayne's World yesterday. For, it for sounds lunch? like your memory is oh, failing. I thought you meant that's what I did for sustenance. Like, <laughs> oh man, I'm feeling a little peckish. Time to watch some Wayne's World. Um, I've definitely seen it. Uh, I'm sure I thought it was okay. It's about it. I don't. I it. It's not something that feels like it. I know it is like a significant piece of pop culture. But I feel like, similar to what you said, it is something that wears the fact that it's a product of its time a lot more than other things that... Uh, what am I trying to say? For example, Back to the Future, that thing that you referenced earlier, so I'm going to go with that, uh, has a timelessness to it, despite being made in the mid-80s. Fair? Yes, and I think that's why I've rewatched Back to the Future so much after seeing that late in life. I also expected that one to be sort of a product of its time and uh, just a, a history piece, but, you know. I've... Yeah, whereas Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2, I'll use the more uh, relevant to us example, Twain's I know World. is a product of its time, Twain's World, because people care about Aerosmith. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... It's something that I know a lot of people like that the first one, but it it I don't feel its impact when I'm like checking out other stuff, I guess is my point. So it's not something that looms large in my mind. So I was content to just sort of get in here and just be like, huh, what's uh what's going on with these two boys? Um I guess that means I was coming into Wayne's World 2 with basically a blank canvas, uh, which I guess is a, not atypical for this podcast, and B, um, maybe for the best. I mean, you know, it's just some guys being dudes, really, mm -hmm. who are into some tunes. Uh, and that's pretty straightforward. In this case, um, they've moved out of their parents' house, and they live in a old abandoned factory, um, and they go see Aerosmith, and they enjoy themselves. And... Uh, Wayne is trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. What is his purpose? And in a dream, 
the spirit of Jim Morrison tells him to uh, organize a music festival, uh, and they, they call it Wayne Stock, and they have this uh, like a mythical, legendary roadie that they get in touch with with Jim Morrison uh, to try to set this up. Meanwhile, uh, Cassandra who is in a band that is like getting kind of big. They're like cutting an album and got a producer guy and they're talking with big major labels. And uh, that's a bit of a point of contention between uh, Wayne and Cassandra, largely because the producer's kind of a dick. Uh, And so it becomes these twin stories of trying to get that festival off the ground and trying to see if Wayne will retain love. And also Garth, uh, having this weird like m- minor erotic thriller subplot with Kim Basin. <laughs> <laughs> is it th- is it a- erotic thriller? Would you push it that far? I mean, they're having an affair and she wants him to kill her husband. That's yeah, that's a bit, totally fair actually. <laughs> so that I, does sound pretty thrilling. <laughs> and the eroticism's implied. <laughs> yeah, I I picked up on the eroticism for sure. Um this movie's cast is crazy. In that, I feel like there's a lot of people who just fucking show up and you're like, they're in this movie? Uh, Kim Basinger is a good example, but obviously we got Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Uh, Tia Carrera is Cassandra. Christopher Walken shows up, friend of the show. Um, hey, Chris. We, hey, Chris. We've got Kevin Polak, Ralph Brown, uh, who people might know from Withnal and I, which I'm mentioning in part because Mitch isn't here. And I know if Mitch were here, he would mention that. So that one's for him. Uh, James Hong is in this movie, who fucking rules. Uh, and it's it's nice anytime he shows up in anything. He's got probably my favorite sequence in the whole movie. Um, Chris Farley is in it. Uh, Ed O'Neill is in it. Um, the list goes on and on. I'm not going to name everybody, but a few other choice cut uh, cameos include Heather Locklear, Charlton Heston, Drew Barrymore, <laughs> Bob Odenkirk. There's all sorts of people in this movie. Rip Taylor. Harry Shearer, a.k.a. like half of the voices on The Simpsons or something. The entirety of Aerosmith. The gang's truly all here, Liam. Every, everybody's here. And it's They're here to party. Yeah, this is like, this is so many people that uh, I knew I was like supposed to recognize a lot of the times for the joke, and I didn't. But I uh, but I knew that they were someone. So I knew I it was recognize- a stacked cast, even though I didn't know a, a good amount of when you get deep in there. Yeah, I recognized a few people. I think well, I think I recognized everybody, or like and then like in the case of like Heather Locklear, like they said her name and I'm like, I know what that name is, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. That's one where like I, I've heard that name, but I, I can't yeah, tell you I'm who like, she is. Yeah, definitely probably a a bit for the early nineties. Yeah. I'm assuming, uh, I don't know, big on Melrose Place, according to the internet, telling me that. So Big in Looney Tunes back in action. We'll of course. check that out one day. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot going on there. And real quick, uh, I'm actually, so you know how I give a crew rundown as well? I'm going to start with the editor, okay. um, which is unusual, but I have a reason. Uh, does the name Malcolm Campbell ring a bell? Oh, yeah, I sat behind him in fifth grade. He also edited Ace Ventura when Nature Calls from like uh-huh. two weeks ago. Must be, must be a different Malcolm Campbell. Um, cool. So we're back in the comedy zone and we're back in the Malcolm Campbell zone. Uh, for better or worse, I guess we'll find out momentarily. But it was also uh, directed by um, 
it was directed by Steven Sergic, who mostly does a lot of TV now. Um, written by Mike Myers and Bonnie and Terry Turner. Did that name ring a bell? No, but they they had to have written like uh, um, the Brady Bunch. That's movie. What, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> that is fuck yeah. yeah, they did. They're back, baby. Uh, Third Rock from the Sun, Coneheads, Tommy Boy, etc. But really, the thing oh, that's man. near to our hearts. Were, did these people were these just like robots constructed in the nineties to make nineties <laughs> movies and then when the when Y two K hit they were disassembled? <laughs> yeah, man, they fucking they were crushing it, Bonnie and Terry. Shouts out to them. Cinematography is by uh Francis Kenny, who also did uh Coneheads, like we just said, New Jack City, scary movie, she's all that, Harriet the Spy. Um, and we've got music by Carter Burwell, who does a lot with the Cone brothers. Um The Cohen or the Cone? Cohen. Ah. I, th- also, I thought because of all these Conehead <laughs> connections, it might have been the Cone Brothers. Also, I hate to inform you that he also did the music for Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. So a lot of our past coming back to haunt us here. Oh my gosh. Uh, with is... Wayne's World 2. Someone needs to make a, a wiki for our They Made Another our One. Our connections. And, and just yeah. the connections and the lore. It's a, just a deep show. So that's the setup. I'm curious to see if this movie, in your estimation, lives up to some of the movies that uh, are related uh, through cast and crew, stuff that we've watched before, see if it's going to be part of that upper tier. And so without further ado, it's party time, baby. Let's talk about the movie. I don't know what this voice is. I'm doing my, uh, what's the man's name? Wayne. Handsome Dan. (laughs) The radio oh, yes. man, is that his name? Yeah, <laughs> handsome uh, man. Anyway, uh-huh. do you like this movie, Liam? How do you feel about uh, Twain's Twirled? No, man. No, I didn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, podcast um, over. It's been a thrill, everybody. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> HBU? Um, eh, I could take it or leave it. Yeah, okay, that sounds like podcast over. That sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Some of it made me laugh really hard, but most of it I just sort of absentmindedly stared at. Yep, yeah, I'm with you. Definitely <laughs> some good, definitely some good gags in here. Um, okay, so I I found that um, coming off Ace Ventura, when nature calls, um, the sequel to Ace Ventura, of which I, I didn't I didn't have any affiliations with the original. Um, you know, we talked about that at length two weeks ago. I came away from that movie liking it because despite being... You're, you're insane. <laughs> dis- <laughs> despite a lot of it being really, really grating and offensive, um, it made me laugh a lot, especially in that second half. It wore me down, and then there were just a number of good gags, and, and they were performed in a... In a in a, such an outlandish way that they ended up tickling my jimmies, and I was just craving something like that during this movie. I thought that this was just pretty bland. I think uh, it doesn't really have much of a direction, um, so the plot feels so thin, um, and the extraneous places that it goes to for these jokes a lot of times are hardly jokes at all. Like there's a lot of you know, like like sort of big set pieces here, or like like stuff that would would on an action movie be shot by like a second unit director or something. You know, like chase scenes, dance scenes, um, 
And it's just stuff that it felt like it was just killing time. There was hardly any uh, any uh, jokes stacked on top of these scenes. And so a lot of the movie just feels like it necessitates you stare at it absentmindedly. And then um, the stuff that does go for jokes, I, I found myself feeling the opposite of the way that I felt and you guys felt <laughs> during uh, I felt during half of Ace Ventura, you guys felt during all of Ace Ventura, which is just that, you know, we thought Ace Ventura pushed the joke too far. When it had a joke, it went too far with it. And I felt like the opposite thing happened here, where sometimes there would be a joke, but they wouldn't go far enough with it. Um, so it, it slips through the cracks. And then because the movie isn't always joke after joke after joke, those little jokes don't add up to make a funny movie. It's like, it's sort of a bland movie. And then occasionally there's a bit of a joke, but it doesn't go far enough. So it's not all that memorable. And there are some exceptions uh, to that. Um, there like is some, what? like uh, the, the, the eye thing where the dude has one colored eye and Wayne and Garth are trying not to stare at it. Oh, that one kind of, I was kind of over that one pretty quick. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's comedy for you, I guess. It and um, I do think they do it better in the Austin Powers movies uh, with the mole, Fred Savage's mole. Um, and there, there are actually quite a few scenes here where I think that Mike Myers is showing he had the idea, um, but it, he had to put it together really quickly. Like I know this script was a troubled process; um, they had to get rushed out there. <laughs> well, it's worth noting. They wrote a whole movie, and then it was based on a different movie, and they didn't buy the rights to that. So they had to come up with a whole new movie real fast, and it fucking shows. Yeah, it it really does show. <laughs> and so um, I think Wayne's World 2 is just uh, a stepping stone to the Austin Powers movies where Mike Myers actually had the time off to, to make some jokes uh, that really stick and land. And I think that's probably why the first Wayne's World is really funny, because... Uh, it's that whole idea of like you have your whole life to make your first album, and then after that, uh, you only got a couple years to make your second, and that's why so often it pales in comparison. And I just think that's 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 what's going on here. I think uh, this is pretty flat. Um, they didn't have the time that they needed. I think the first one was a success, so they made the second one, and uh, it didn't quite work out. And I think that. Mike Myers isn't really on the Jim Carrey level of just being able to carry it with uh, his performance. Um, I think I th the bit's just tired too, right? Like, um, there's only so much you can do with these characters. <laughs> like, they're just laid back guys being dudes, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a limited range for that to consistently be funny. Um no matter what bit you're attempting to do is. And I think that Mike Myers is suffering from that. No matter how well he did this, I think it was going to feel this way. Sure. Yeah. Why don't, why don't talk about uh, some of your takeaways from this thing? Uh, I feel very similarly. Uh, I watched this movie earlier today and I feel like half of it has already completely left my brain. Yeah. That's the uh, bad half. <laughs> it's very ephemeral and not a lot of it sticks. Uh, the story's kind of bland, I think in part, cause like we said, they probably rushed it. Um, Big time rush, big time rush on this. They should have the they should have replaced Aerosmith with Big Time Rush. I think <laughs> it would have been much better, and uh, people would understand the joke as well. Yeah, come on, make this about us. Be, oh, I get it. The name is a reference to the quality of the movie. I'll give it. I'll give it to them. <laughs> um, but yeah, Twain's World. 
just kind of it's it's almost difficult to talk about because i it left such a small impact overall um i think the some of the cameos are fucking crazy like when uh charlton heston shows up i lost my mind yeah see that's one of those instances where i knew there was some sort of extra thing going on but i didn't recognize either of the dudes so i just had to take the joke as the first dude wasn't selling it so they brought in a better once again i have uh drew barrymore face blindness because she was on screen and i instantly went huh she looks like drew barrymore no way (laughs) without just assume because i just didn't assume it was drew barrymore it seemed a little too early like i didn't know if 1993 was the right time frame like i didn't really know yeah it sounds like maybe if you just sat down and like got the drew barrymore chronology figured out like when she was born uh and uh because i really don't know like i absolutely assumed i was like this seems too early for a drew barrymore cameo well it is one of those unique things because she got famous so young and so um she's like in way more movie eras than you would expect you know because she starts with et and then she gets those all those kid roles like firestarter yeah, the and amount stuff. of times i've forgotten that drew barrymore is in et right it's about yeah. as many times as i've forgotten drew barrymore is in apparently every other movie she's in because i never remember <laughs> but um i think the bottom line is even with some exciting cameos and some funny bits, uh, A, I'm not very connected to the material vis-a-vis the music. Like, I don't give a shit about, like, a lot of the bands that we're talking about here. Um, especially Aerosmith. How big was Aerosmith? Was Aerosmith big? In, like, I know Aerosmith was, like, huge, obviously. Like, I'm not acting like I didn't know they were famous, but it's like, this whole movie's <laughs> focused on... Are we gonna book Aerosmith? Like, fuck, man! I oh, don't dude, care. massive! Like, I mean, the Aerosmith rock sucks. The Rock and Roller Coaster at Disney World opened I know. in 1999. That's so fucked up. Six years after this movie, they're still massive enough to I've now make a that ride. Roller coaster, and I still am asking the question: Do people care about Aerosmith? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, man. Still, because I don't. And then I think the rest of it is. You know, the story is a bit generic, which is like, whatever, it's a it's a comedy that's not that focused on its story, I'll forgive that. But I don't think these performances are necessarily doing enough to, like, carry me through a boring story. I think that actors seem like they're having fun, which is something we say a lot about bad movies. Uh, Must be fun making a bad movie. We and, gotta try it sometime. Oh, we really do. All the um, movies we've made have just been too fucking good. I like <laughs> it's so boring to make. That. I like how I was caught off guard by how fourth wall breaking it is in a way that I I I generally like. I find it kind of charming how direct it is. I I um, like that as well. Yeah, yeah. Like we can't let the movie end this way. Do you want to do the Thelma and Louise thing? Sure. Oh, we can't do this like or just people directly referencing like it's your movie man, do whatever you want. I got a kick out of that. Uh and I think there are moments where the comedic actors here shine through. I think you put Chris Farley in anything and it's instantly funny. Uh, so anytime he was on screen, I was pretty stoked. Um, I've got two favorite parts. I'll talk about those. I would love to hear them. Um, I'll talk about two f- my two favorite parts and then that commercial I was talking about. The, the sequence where 
Cassandra's dad arrives and they're talking about whether or not Wayne can be her boyfriend and it turns into like a throwback kung fu movie fight scene that goes from subtitles to dub and has like wire work and weird in jokes cutting in on the phone and like uh some legitimate like actual martial arts that's so fucking fun that's so and it's so unexpected and it goes on for so long and um i really appreciated its commitment to like feeling like one of those movies in a way that doesn't feel totally hackneyed and stupid i had a lot of fun with that i Um, am totally with you Corey. i thought that 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 sequence was absolutely a delight um yeah playing with subtitles and martial arts is something that uh, Mike Myers does in the Austin Powers movies as well, but I thought this was a, a a different take on it, a different angle. I haven't really thought of the dubbing thing before, and so once the, the dub start so happens, it is it's super funny. There's a callback to it later, a really quick one when he talks to the dad on the phone. Yeah, that also really hits, and I also. I like this idea um, that Wayne is like a savant, like he knows a lot (laughs) about Sweden and can speak Cantonese. I don't remember that from the first movie. Uh, That might be consistent. I'm not sure. So it was so weird in this one, Uh, but really funny. I loved I loved that martial arts sequence and dialing the phone and the zooming in and stuff. That is that's that's a sequence where like it feels focused and they knew what they wanted to do. And uh, that that feels like what I remember the first one to be. And James Hong is such a fucking treasure. What an incredible actor. I fucking love that guy. Yeah, and still kicking he, too. Oh man, he really should have got him on that. this podcast. Oh, we can still try. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do we got? 45 minutes of recording time left? Call him <laughs> up. Maybe he can make it. Uh, <laughs> and um, I didn't realize right away that they were dressed like the YMCA guys. So when they go into the gay bar and then just end up on stage, and it's just the YMCA and everyone's doing the YMCA. The fact that I didn't totally put together what was happening initially made me laugh by the time it was happening because I was like, okay, they're in disguises. And then I'm like, oh, they accidentally went into a gay bar. I guess that's the joke. Okay, sure. But then it being that made me laugh. Yeah, uh, that is, that is I'm, good I'm willing comedy to admit writing. That. <laughs> that is good uh, comedy writing. You set up and then you keep setting up and then you pay it off. So this commercial, it's related to laundry. Yes. Um, do you remember when they start talking about Calgon? Does that yeah, word ring a yeah, bell? No, yeah, I remember it well. There's a lot yeah. of detergent and laundry talk in this movie, and I didn't get so it, so I'm looking that, forward that to That line where uh, Cassandra says that they did laundry with like, um, like a long time like family secret in Hong Kong, and then he just grabs the box of Calgon and goes like, Mm, ancient Chinese secret, huh? And just shows the box. Um, that is a direct copy of a commercial that Calgon actually did in the 70s. They have um, a dry cleaners, I think, that is run by an Asian family. And the woman who comes in to get her clothes asks how uh, they make it so clean and bright and everything and they just say like ancient chinese secret which is like i guess you know questionable um in terms of how it's presented being the 70s um and then eventually in the ad in the background the woman sees the box of calgon and she goes "Mm, ancient chinese secret huh 
like in that exact voice. Mm. Um, and I just, I wasn't expecting to see that in this movie. Um, certainly a, an interesting choice to be directly referencing that even in 1993. Cause like it's identifiable, but also like, I feel like it's kind of racist maybe. So maybe a weird choice to do the bit. Um, but I was caught off guard by seeing it here in an opposite vein. Um, the stuff that I don't like generally revolves around the like, like dream sequency stuff. Yes, I d- I didn't like that either. I think that it is such a weak catalyst for the movie because that's that's really what it is. The whole movie is based on a dream that Wayne has, where he meets Jim Morrison and and Jim tells him that he's got to put on this concert with all these great bands. Um, like the sequences aren't funny and the if like the reference is just that he's talking to jim morrison and the dude's uh, doing a it. jim morrison yeah. impression it's jim morrison and sammy davis jr and also i really don't like the whole who's the weird indian guy joke i really don't like that yeah yeah not not very funny um and they they come back to it three or four times yeah that's honestly like that's my biggest take is like uh i like this self-aware bits like the what do you do oh i stack crates with chickens I make sure we have watermelons and they walk back and forth with a pane of glass. I wonder if that'll pay off later. Like, I, I don't know. I get a kick out of stuff like that, but even having watched this just a few hours ago, it's like mostly left my brain already. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I can pick out a few sequences that made me laugh as well. The, the two you said are both good. Um, I liked the, the eye bit where they're trying not to stare at his eye. Um, <laughs> one that I liked a quick scene that, did the the beautiful ace ventura technique on me so i gotta i gotta admire it where the joke started i didn't like it um and then i ended up really liking it so it's when garth is talking to a dude at the bar in the club um uh like really sincerely about music and he's just going on and on like this is kind of the most um grounded and like uh intelligent um and that we've seen Garth thus far. And then every time a woman walks by him, he, he says swing and he, he does his little hip. Oh, thrust. I was my, the thing I was going to reference when you were done was that I didn't like that joke. So it's extremely funny that you're bringing it up now. Yeah. And, and when it was happening, actually, I, I thought Corey's going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. <laughs> um, the whole and, swing thing is so fucking dumb. That's it, it. Totally uh, true. I'm with you there, um, and I think that this just pushes the swing thing to the to the umpth degree, to the nth, to the umpteenth degree, um, to the. It's a PhD. It's it's so pushed to the twelfth degree, the Twain twirled degree. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, being in in this movie, Twain twirled. Um, after we've already had a whole movie of swing stuff, uh, this is just like going so far with it. And so it starts and I'm like, man, I don't like this. I, especially because at this point I've already realized that I don't like the woman stuff in this movie, like Garth's, um, uh, the joke is just that like, uh, really hot women are interested in these dorky dudes and they don't know what to do with them. Um, Everything with Cassandra is just un- like annoying. Like she's that, so it's Wayne's that, girlfriend. Oh yeah, she's so just like underwritten. There's so little going on with that part of the story that it feels part and parcel with like they're just entering like like bagging chicks and swing 
and people being hot and it just feels very like underdeveloped it's the thing we've been saying the whole time really underdeveloped yeah like i think the idea of garth getting a girl that's interested in him in him is funny um and and well not it's not funny like just based on concept but i think it's it's interesting and you can go with it and and make funny stuff out of it but i don't think this does it um i I never really feel like kim basinger's character is anything other than like a, a a joke woman that is now super interested in Garth. And if that's the joke, I don't think they do enough with it of like Garth responding to that. And um, it, I, it, so, the whole thing is just like really confusing to me. Um, and you get a few good lines out of it. Like, do you want to have dinner so, some night? And he says, I have dinner every night. Like that's, that's a funny line, but um, altogether, I just don't think it, it adds up to much. Um, so I've, I've already under, I've already realized that I don't like the, the woman stuff in this. And so having the women walk by Garth and he casually does the swing thing and then returns to having this conversation, it, I, I think that pushes it far enough that I'm like, okay, they're going for something here. And while I found it very annoying, like the first two or three times, it just keeps happening. And um, a lot of times I think that's that's like when comedy works best is when it just is unrelenting. It goes and goes and it, it gives you uh, the opportunity to just like be beat into submission and you end up finding it funny. There's, there's a, a comedy movie that came out in 2014, I think, um, called They Came Together, starring Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. And it is a movie that the first time I watched it, I thought that it just was pretty insufferable. Like there's funny jokes in it, but every joke beats you over the head. And by the f- like minute five, I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. But then after the movie finished, I was going about my day, going about my week, and I just kept thinking about some jokes in the movie. And I was like, huh, that that joke seems kind of funny why didn't i laugh at it more eventually i thought okay i've got to rewatch this movie and i put it on and i died laughing it it totally had me and it it there's so many scenes in that movie where it's like the joke just keeps going and going and i think it's a perfect example of uh sticking to your guns and um, now it's like it's one of the funniest movies i've ever seen i so i show it to so many people and everyone ends up loving it and i think that this swing scene does that pretty well where it's just uh it, it goes on way longer than you would expect it to because the joke stays the same but the the more i thought about the joke as it's happening that he just like he he can't help but do it but then he returns to the conversation he's having so casually i think uh dana carvey's performance there is also good and um i really liked that scene um other than that any any big funny scenes i thought uh i i think when they talk to to the handsome radio man um they're doing a little interview and the radio man is uh, absent-mindedly listening to them and he just responds with an uh-huh. Uh, I, th- I think that's a funny gag uh, and it's the sort of thing where it's it like um, makes me think about like real life and how you often hear that in podcasts or radio or conversation uh-huh. or whatever <laughs> and um and so so i thought oh man that's funny that's that's the sort of joke that would be like in a stand-up act that makes me go oh man i never thought of that that's so true but i don't think they push that joke far enough like once wayne and garth realize it i don't think they do enough with it uh, i think to the make elevation it... of the joke there was probably just that he was fucking with those cassettes so much 
Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, and like when it comes to jokes like that, you know, it's possible that I could get they came together and some of this stuff will stick with me. I only saw it yesterday myself. Um, so like all in all, there there are jokes that that do hit in this movie, but there's just so much that that either doesn't hit or it feels like it's not even trying to hit. Like I think the first 10 minutes of this movie are really ambling where they go to the Aerosmith concert and they're just like at the concert and we're watching Aerosmith perform. It's, it's a while. You really got to like Aerosmith for that. Yeah. And so it's a while before the plot really starts with Wayne's dream. Um, And I don't think there's enough humor in those 10 minutes in order to like, have it be oh man we're just spending some time with the characters before the plot starts because it's it's just like not all that funny or interesting because we're just watching an Aerosmith concert it it felt like filler to me and I think also having Aerosmith at the beginning of this movie sort of robs like the dramatic payoff of having them actually show up at the end of the movie um you know I get that no one's going to like weep when seeing that Aerosmith actually showed up. No one's actually going to be that surprised, especially Steven because Tyler might have. Yeah. <laughs> especially because in the opening credits, it says and starring Aerosmith, but it, it just, it felt strange to me that we got to have two big Aerosmith performances in this movie. It just seems like, you know, to bookend the movie, it just seems like really weird writing. And again, it feels like this is a script that like didn't have enough time sat with it you know like after i watched they came together and i thought about the jokes and realized what made them funny and went back to the movie and spent more time with them and then i sort of understood it it feels like they didn't do that with this script like they never had that chance to write the script think about it think about what made the jokes funny or what didn't make them funny go back to it figure it out it it feels like that didn't happen it just it kind of feels like they were making it up as they went along and so while some of the highs in this movie are high, um, I, I feel like something like Ace Ventura, when nature calls, even though the lows are lower, I think the peaks that it reached um, are are bigger than this movie. Uh, and uh, I thought that was sort of a shame because I didn't even like Ace Ventura that much. Like it 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 come out to like a five out of ten for me. Um, but I think that this movie isn't as funny and and doesn't swing for the fences the way that one does. And so um, all in all, I came away from it sort of just just a, a little bit, you know, underwhelmed, I guess. Yeah, I feel similarly. It's not a movie that leaves a huge impression, and I don't think. Uh... In much the same way that I have a hard time judging what the long-term cultural impact of Wayne's World 1 was, I don't think Twain's World has really had much of any. And I imagine it won't stick with me in a meaningful way. Yeah, it, it feels like they used up like the, 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 the proper jokes they had in that first one. Um, and And this one just feels like a lot of the jokes are just those references. And if they end up working for you, like some of those references did, or at least you, you caught on to them and... Uh, they stick with you um you know that that's cool but i thought there were also a lot of reference in this references in this movie that didn't add up to anything and ended up just making it feel like like epic movie or disaster movie remember when those spoof movies became a big yeah. thing and the joke is just this is a celebrity and 
they're in the movie or this is making you think of a movie that uh, you've seen before, but now it's in this movie. Um, but there's not really like joke writing to it. An example of that would be when Wayne and Garth are in the car and, at night and they realize that the water in the car is shaking. They have a cup of water and oh then a dinosaur God. peeks through the window with them and they get scared and dip out and that's the end of the scene and i was I like believe jurassic park had come out the year prior right yeah 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 and that's the whole joke that's <laughs> like... exactly and just stuff like that is just oh my gosh okay clearly um you didn't have much ideas for this movie because you're relying on a movie that just came out and you're not even doing anything with it you know um i think that's probably why i like scary movies so much is because like it's the first one and so it it thought about what it wanted to do with these references. And also, I just think like the performances in that movie really sell it. And uh, there's also a lot of jokes from the writers laced in there. But this one, it just feels like uh, they didn't know what to do. They did. They used up all the jokes. And so in, in this case, the joke is just pull pull something in from a different movie. And then that'll be the joke. And I think they do that a number of times. Um and yeah. uh, it, it doesn't quite work. One last thing. This will be a good yes. send off. Um, you you mentioned that you uh, clarified that homie um, who plays the roadie. You clarified that he was in that movie. Um, yeah. What what is it? White all and Ralph I? Brown was in Withnal and I. Withnal and I. Yeah. Um, so does that mean you read the entire Wikipedia page, Corey? No, I thought I recognized him from something. And uh, I just looked up him. Cool. Okay. So, boy, do I have an excerpt for you. Because I did read the full Wikipedia page. Um, I was interested in the production of this movie, what went into it. I did it. notice at the Wikipedia page that about 70% of it is about Kim Basinger. That's the yes. one thing that I noticed. <laughs> yes. And a lot of that is uh, in um, the production but also a lot of that is in the legacy section. And so this sort of goes against what we were just saying about Wayne's World, that this movie isn't going to stick around and that uh, it doesn't have the power that that first one did. It didn't make money. Well, it has a whole section on Wikipedia about its legacy. And you've got to hear this, Corey. All right, you've got to hear it from me first. So in the legacy section, um, just to give you an example of, of what this section is all about, um, the first paragraph, one of two paragraphs, the first paragraph is all about how in 2006, DirecTV was putting out commercials uh, from that had characters from popular movies in it, breaking the fourth wall to tout the service's picture quality and the number of channels available in high definition. Uh, they would use original actors to reprise their roles. And one such ad featured Kim Basinger reprising her role as Honey Hornet from Wayne's World 2. Truly her biggest role. Truly her most reprisable role for Kim Basinger. So that's half of Wayne's World 2's legacy. The other half, Corey, is also yeah. about Kim Basinger. And I'll just read this excerpt for you verbatim. Please. Okay. In a profile on Kim Basinger in the July 2014 issue of Flaunt, uh, which is a fashion and culture magazine for those don't, who don't know, in a July 2014 issue of Flaunt, Angel Futsmania wrote, I read on IMDb that Kim Basinger played Honey Hornet in Wade's World 2. Parenthesis, don't you just love music? Hornet asks, writing gently to the girl from Ipanema. Do you have any Megadeth? Garth replies, close parentheses. I think about my husband seeing that scene and enjoying it. 
a hard on pressing gingerly into his slacks. What? What did you just? What the? What did you? That's that's the end of the paragraph. That's (laughs) it. That's the end of the legacy section. Stop! Stop! (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Is this woman implying that her husband's horny for Wayne's World too? Yes. Repeat that last sentence. Yep. I think about my husband seeing that scene and enjoying it. A hard on pressing gingerly into the slap. <laughs> what the fuck? Why would you? Who? Angel, what are you talking about? Isn't that the darndest thing? What the fuck? How did she notice that, first of all, I guess? But also, like, why that scene? Why is it the legacy of who wrote this Wikipedia page? Who put that there? Exactly. Yeah. The, um, the, the... <laughs> there's a lot here. The strangest bit. I mean, it's it's a, it's a striking sentence. So the sentence is strange. But of course, you know, if you seek out context, um, which I've just done, it's it comes from an essay about Kim Basinger and uh, just like all about the author's experiences with her. And I guess that was something that stuck into uh, <laughs> stuck into her mind. <laughs> Fuck. Um, okay, you know, sure, the, like her, the original paragraph after that, it says, Kim was also an eight mile, a moving star, a movie starring rapper Eminem. I wonder if my daughter likes Eminem. I'm not sure. Okay. This is a what really weird is, article. Actually, look, in, I thought that this was going to help the, in defense of the essay. We have not read it. It might be fine <laughs> out of context of the rest of the essay. What the fuck is going on here? And yeah, so the fact that someone read this essay and then took that part out because they thought, man, this really speaks to the legacy of Wayne's World 2, that this that this woman's husband got a boner from the scene with Kim <laughs> this, Basinger. This page was last edited on May 3rd, 2021, and uh, that's the second last um, footnote, so I'm choosing to believe somebody just put this there. It's just so strange. I, I tell you what, if if that's all it takes to give a movie legacy, I could add a legacy to a lot of movies I saw as a kid. I could put in the Wikipedia page. If I all I got to do is publish an essay about it, my gosh, a lot of movies have legacies out there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, do you want to find out what our legacy will be? Yep. Yeah. In the I future. Do. Yep. I get that. Not not my strongest segue in the world, but you know, we we live and we learn. William Castle Film General, how many things we got on there? Corey, we have a grand total of 331 items. Woo! It's a lot of items. So, I'm all locked and loaded. I want to just get right into it. So, big money, no skeletons, as always. Those are the magic words that activate the General. We all know this. Three, two, one, spin! An an extremely low number uh, compared to what we could have got. 47. Oh, man. Those low numbers are freaky deaky. Yeah. There's, those are, those were, the, the beginning of this list was essentially made by different people. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I was, I was a different guy. Like this is, <laughs> this is pre-pandemic list making. Yeah. So far back we're going. It's, it's a lot. We've, All right. we've changed as people then. And, I, and I, I can tell, Corey, because uh, 46, we just missed it. It would have been Zombieland 2. Okay. And 48, 
just missed it was the Pet Cemetery remake. Ooh, we've been talking about that. They're making a sequel to that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, the way the wheel's going, we might <laughs> land on that first. Yeah, honestly. But, but what, what do we got? What we are talking about next week, Corey, number 47, is Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead. Wow, I am elated. What? Mitch! What? Oh, Mitch. what did you get in here? What are you doing? Well, I've what been... What the fuck are you I've been, Hold I've, on. What? Let me, let me speak. So I've been, I've been patiently listening, measuring both sides. You know, I think you both made some really excellent points about Wayne's World 2. Um, a movie I have not seen, but you've been here the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I have. I've been here the I whole time. I said you weren't here. You didn't chime in or anything. <laughs> nah, I was blowing my nose, but and then I, <laughs> then I I didn't want to interrupt. Right, it would have been rude. But yeah, no, really excellent points all around. Just a delight to listen to, and uh, I'm really excited to see uh, Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time, you know. I think I have seen this on late night TV, so let's let's uh, see some zombies. I haven't seen it, but I'm in this house. We love Tom Savini, so let's hope I'm they're scarier. scarier uh, let's hope they're scarier than the Scooby Doo zombies we saw on that island. They're certainly gonna be gorier. Maybe I'm still not over the fact that Mitch is here. Yeah, oh yeah, I've been here the this whole time. This is a, a real, dare I say, Twain's World esque fourth yeah. wall breaker. I've been I've been patiently just poised at my at my microphone this whole time, upright posture. Just I'm taking I take you might hear some occasional breaths where I'm like about to say something and then I and then I don't. But uh, <laughs> well, you didn't you can chime in. You're you're welcome in this place. I don't know. Sometimes I just feel marginalized with the sometimes. It's like. <laughs> I just well, I just don't know what to say sometimes. Well then I'll ask you directly, Mitch. What did you think about the the movie we just talked about? Where where do you fall after hearing all our points? Well, I'm glad I didn't see it. Uh I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't I'm glad it's the sometimes Mitch. You know, sometimes I said I'm marginalized, but at the same time it's an extreme point of privilege to be able to just, you know, duck out and not see these movies. I mean Yeah, we uh, can't all be so lucky. Yeah. We I guess we can't. But, well, let's uh, hope our luck our luck turns with our boy Tom Savini. What I propose is we change it to they made another one with sometimes Corey, sometimes Liam, and sometimes Mitch, and then like some episodes it's just static because none of us are here. <laughs> <laughs> we put out an hour of white noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at the thumbnail. We told you guys you were in for it. I think that on the thumbnail, just there's an X over the face of anybody who's not on that episode, <laughs> just to identify like who's who some kill list shit um <laughs> well now that we've got our our next week set up uh i know Mitch, you haven't a lot to say um i don't want to get rid of you right away i know how this tends to go but do you have any plugs and he's gone again okay well i'm not even convinced he was here i'm not either but i mean i've he, there's no reason he would lie to us so i guess we gotta take his word for it i don't know whose word I don't even it's remember. It happened oh. so fast. <laughs> uh, well, while you're thinking about that, uh, do you want to plug some stuff? Do you got stuff? Yeah, yeah. You guys can uh, find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow, currently rating all the Harry Potter films. So check that out. What's your favorite one so far? 
dude i gotta be honest i've rated them all 10 out of 10 <laughs> wow well there you go that's you you heard it here first um you can find me on twitter and letterbox at mr Corey price where i'm not rating the harry potter films uh i don't have a take on those you're gonna get liam's i think that's about it mitch is already gone uh so it is what it is uh but you're still here and i would like to thank you all for listening once again oh I have another podcast, uh, MK Podcast, Starfriend Neil, talking about Mortal Kombat stuff. You know the drill. MK Podcast on all your internet stuff. Couldn't possibly forget that. That'd be embarrassing. You're all still here, though. Thank you all once again for listening to another episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, uh, carved into a rock in a cave somewhere. It's everywhere. They made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what band you think would be the focus of a Wayne's World 3. Uh, our fantastic new thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And you can find us here next week talking about Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead. Thank you all once again for checking us out on They Made Another One. Bye, everyone. Wait, Brianna, you've Whoa. been here the whole time too, <laughs> dude. This is a this is not a secure line. Oh my gosh, oh we my need to God, get out of here, Corey. That We've is been hacked.